You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's some people spreading the narrative that tonight he's actually going to announce on the NFL honors. He's going back to the Packers. He can't wait. That's oh, what the internet is. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, um, you know, I, I really wanted to kind of just move on from that whole thing, but somebody mentioned, hey, on Thursday, Pat McAfee basically word-for-worded your stupid fake rumor thing. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, um, this is... This is the easiest gig in the world. You know, it's funny because I've been saying this for a while, how, how stupid I am because how easy it is to, to really become a, um, you know, something bigger than I am, but I just can't bring myself to do it. You know, this is kind of what I mean. And it doesn't have to be this. It could be something else. But I, w- I was thinking about that when I was watching, uh, what's the guy, Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless had some video where he came out and he did this just cringy, like he ran and then he did like a jump stop to show off his shoes. And it was like, it's, this is like the fifth video in a row where he's done something cringy, right? He did the thing where he's doing like the weird face. Like he was, he was so upset and he was trying to hold back tears or something, but it really just looked like he was in the bathroom. There was a video of him dancing. And I think what he realized, like a lot of these guys who really don't care at all and and really only care about moving forward is that these things get a lot of interaction and that's all that matters. Sort of that whole no press is bad press thing. One fake tweet. I got mentioned by Aaron Rodgers. I got mentioned on the Pat McAfee show. I got mentioned on AM radio. Dozens of new followers, thousands of likes, one fake tweet. That's it. And even if I didn't delete it, the worst that would happen is you'd have five, six, seven people saying, what happened? Liar, faker, liar. Okay, whatever. Moving on. Next thing. And if you look at a lot of these people who fake it, and you go comment under their, their tweets about, dude, this guy's a known faker, you're going to have a hundred people defending him. Oh yeah, what about that one time such and such and such, he, he called it first. Saying, man, this isn't my thing, this isn't my lane, but this is the easiest money I've ever made. <laughs> it's not literal money, but this game is it's ripe for the picking, man. It's a stupid game, but, but that's the thing. It's, it's stupid. It reminds me of... A similar parallel, but not exactly. But it's, people get mad at how much money football players make. It's like, yeah, you pay them that. They get paid based on attention. They get paid based on the size of the audience. They get paid based on the millions of people that watch them throw that stupid football. It's the thing, you disparage it. Like, they're just throwing a football. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, okay, well, it kind of is, because millions of people watch that guy throw a football and buy his jerseys and buy really expensive tickets for hundreds of dollars to sit in seats and watch that guy throw a football. And companies pay millions of dollars for him to really awkwardly be in their commercial and promote their products. So we can pretend it's just throwing a football, but we don't act that way, do we? 
If that was the case, you'd have everybody in the world being like, dude, why is that guy still throwing that football over there? What is he doing? He looks like an idiot. Isn't he like 40? He still plays games with his friends? Is he a child? When's that guy going to get a job? But we don't do that. We worship these guys. So you can't have it both ways. They get paid based on how you react to them throwing a ball around or catching a ball or kicking a ball. Likewise, everybody gets mad at stuff like, oh, you're, you know, about, you know, what I did or whatever. But it worked, didn't it? People wouldn't do stuff like that if there wasn't a reward. And there's a reward because people don't pay attention. <laughs> they just don't. It just, eh. It's why, you know, we get mad at clickbait. Why do people do clickbait? Because it works. Because people see titles and they start sharing, 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 sharing because they didn't even read it. Spreads like wildfire. Ends up on the news. 1% of the people actually know what the article says. And a lot of the times the article actually goes on to kind of not say what the title says because the title was just meant to get you to click and share it around. It works, but it works because you make it work. <laughs> it's like being mad at Jeff Bezos for how much money he has. Yeah, it's because you spend all day shopping on Amazon. This guy's driving small business out of, out of business. When was the last time you went to your small business in town? Well, I don't even, I don't I have never been there. I don't know. Okay, then shut up. Anyways, man, it's just, uh, it's kind of crazy. Apparently we got the Super Bowl or something tomorrow. I don't know too much about that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad about this year's Super Bowl. But I feel like I care less about this Super Bowl than other Super Bowls. Like, you know, in previous years, and it's got, I don't even know the last time I saw a Super Bowl and I wasn't just angry, at least at one of the teams. I mean, you know, Patriots, Eagles, it's like, come on, Eagles, please win. And until they win, and then it's like, oh, shoot, man, I don't like the Eagles. The Eagles fans don't deserve this. Bunch of jerks. This year, it's, it's you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of iffy on it. I don't really like the fact that the Bengals could just come out of nowhere. I mean, I, 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 don't, I can't even decide if it's cool or awful. Like, they haven't paid their dues to win a Super Bowl. They haven't even paid their dues to get to a Super Bowl. It's been 30 years since they've been in the play. Like, you can't just waltz in and win a Super Bowl, can you? I guess you can, but it doesn't seem right. But it's also kind of cool, and it's going to arise the, the conversation all over again. Who would you rather be over the last, let's say, 20 years? The Packer, Packer fan or a Bengals fan? They both just got one Super Bowl, assuming they win. Are they equal? What about if we said over the last 10 years, would you rather be a Packer fan or a Bengal fan? Because the Bengals will have one Super Bowl, the Packers will have zero. Again, you know where I stand on that. I would much rather be a Packers fan. Way more fun being a Packers fan. But according to a lot of people, they would, like I said, I think I said it yesterday. Would you rather, if you could promise you're going to win a Super Bowl next year, but you are going to be a failure for the next 10, would you do it? A lot of people would say yes, and, and by that logic, they would rather be a Bengals fan over the last 10 years than a Packers fan. I cannot even fathom that. Just being pure garbage, being a laughingstock, being miserable for nine years, not even knowing why I'm watching this miserable team, not even having any vested interest in the playoffs. only thing that's interesting is, is the, uh, the draft. And even then, usually you're not number one. I mean, the one time you were, you were uh, number one, it was obviously massively beneficial. Thank you, Miami for winning a useless freaking game. But I don't know. I, I at least think from that standpoint, for, for a lot of reasons, I want the Bengals to win, despite the fact that it just seems kind of messed up that they can just waltz in and win it like that. But um, aside from that, the Bengals, or excuse me, the Rams, I was rooting for them because of Stafford, but over these days and weeks, I've kind of accumulated a number of reasons why I don't want them to win. Number one, they're an NFC team, so just nah. Because at the end of the day, NFC is just kind of a rival. <laughs> it's just pretty much everybody in the NFC I've got to the point I just don't like. But especially the NFC West. I'm so tired of the NFC West. 
the 49ers constantly beat us up, knock us out of the playoffs. The Seahawks have, have been a problem for us, not necessarily recently, but obviously I don't need to reference specifics. You know what I mean. The Cardinals have been a problem for us in the playoffs as well as else, uh, other times. And the Rams have been somewhat of a thorn at other times. And if they win the Super Bowl, it's just basically the entire NFC West is just celebrating and dancing on our, our barren wasteland of, of mass graves of playoff losses. or how. There was a clever line in there, and I butchered it, but I'm sure somebody can structure one. But beyond that, I don't want to have to deal with the the all-in nonsense, and I've already addressed that. They, they didn't go more all-in than a lot of other teams that lost. Um, somebody tried to talk about how the Bengals really um, did so well because they went all-in and referenced like, the handful of people they went and got in free agency. I think that was a ridiculous article. When you look at the players that they got, um, it was nowhere near, for example, the Rams. Also, Let's be honest, it was because of drafting guys like Joe Burrow and drafting guys like Jamar Chase and bringing in the coach that they brought in. That's largely what we're talking about here. The fact that you went out and got like, what, Trey Hendrickson or something, like an Edra, which is great. I mean, you know, but that's that's a marginal upgrade that at least half the league has done. So for that reason, it would be nice for a more or less draft and develop team to beat the all-in team just because I don't want to hear it, even though I'm going to win that argument anyways, is about all in with the Rams. It still is just something that I don't want to have to deal with 24 seven, especially the specifics of it with, with Odell Beckham, because it's not just all in it's, we should have had Odell Beckham. Again, it doesn't matter that he was never going to come here and he always wanted to go to the Rams. And the fact that I think we did try to get Odell Beckham and the fact that our players tried to recruit Odell Beckham because the Packers were in fact all in and were willing to explore those kinds of options. And according to sources, not mine, other ones that maybe you can trust. We were putting offers on the table. Maybe not very big offers, but something. Um, the fact that Von Miller probably was a guy that we wanted, especially with all the injuries. I don't know if that was ever super realistic, and I doubt we ever made an offer, but that was at the time when they were, we were getting devastated with injuries, and some people were pod, pondering, maybe, you know, it's something we could explore. But on top of that, I think the Rams also represent a completely different theory that people like me have laughed at and mocked for a long time that a lot of people have really liked. And that is the idea that draft picks are basically useless. And if you can use them for a proven quantity, you should, right? Why use a first round draft pick, for example, on an unknown quantity when you can go out and get a known quantity? That's a theory that's out there. I don't think that's a fully thought out theory because there's a whole lot of holes in that, but it is one. And the Rams are the embodiment of that. And if they can take that philosophy and win a Super Bowl, even if they lose because they've destroyed everything based on that philosophy, a lot of people aren't going to care because at least they won. Again, not my favorite um, thought process, but that is a lot of people's desire. Give it all away for just one chance, right? Just a handful of thoughts on that. Number one, there's no guarantees. So you could give it away for just one chance and then blow up the next 10 years, but also not win a Super Bowl. That's that's the thing. I mean, we, we, we can pose the hypothetical about what if you win, but then destroy your future. Yes, I'm willing to do that. The problem is it's not a guarantee. You, you're only guaranteeing that you're ruining your future. You're not guaranteeing you win. That's problem number one. Number two, the idea that it's a known quantity is a false idea. It is not a known quantity. In fact, most of the time when these guys use draft capital and go out and spend massive quantities of money, we'll get to that in a second. They're not very good, whether that's because they were overhyped and overvalued to begin with, whether that was because um, it's just not a right fit or the right scheme or the fact that they got paid and so they're taking their foot off the gas or whatever the case may be. Most of the time, these big name players who got big time bank and, and teams gave up draft capital for, and this has happened to the Rams, by the way, 
it doesn't end up panning out. And then on top of that, the uh, the other reason for draft and develop is because, as I've said, the salary cap is a limited commodity. And you cannot just go... The, the, the problem with known co- commodities is that you're paying for that. The benefit of drafting is that you don't have to pay a ton of money. And so you can't afford to just go out and get all the best players. It's the reason why winning a Super Bowl becomes problematic, because now all of your players become expensive and you can't afford them all. And that's how they get redistributed throughout the league. That's why you're able to go out and get that free agent and that other team couldn't retain them because they can't afford them. So financially, it's not really possible. There are limits, despite what everybody has to say. And you can push money out. It's what the Packers did. And, it, and we're going to pay for that, as you can see. I mean, that's why we're going to lose some players next year that we probably shouldn't. That's why we can't hammer out a deal with Devontae. Because rather than being able to say, all right, we'll give you what you want, we're just going to structure it this kind of way, and then everybody's fine, it's like, mm, we can't give you what you want. We can give you this, and we, it's, that's a hard line, and there's a gap between what we want and what Devontae wants, and so we may end up using a, a, a thing that we almost never use, which is a tag. We'll see how that goes. Maybe we hammer out a deal, I don't know. Packers probably don't even know yet. they got to see how the chips fall with other players, Aaron Rodgers being number one. But anyways, for those reasons, I would rather just not deal with it. Um, plus, I mean, it just, it furthers... What, I'm, what, what, what my point is, which is that all-in doesn't prove anything. But even if they win, here, here's the thing. If we say 16 teams roughly go all-in, let's say we come up with a vague uh, definition of what all-in means, we go through the league, we say, who meets this criteria? Let's say it's 16 teams. I don't know. Create your own criteria and go look it up. That means all-in gives you either 0 of 16 or a 1 of 16 chance, right? Because only one of two things is going to happen. Either a team that went all in is going to win the Super Bowl or a team that goes all in does not win the Super Bowl. But the best odds you're going to get is one out of 16. Even if we assume going all in is a prerequisite to winning, you're still just cutting your odds in half, but the odds are you're still going to lose, as the Packers learned, because again, they did go all in, despite nobody's desire to admit that. Anyways, um, that's, that's basically where I'm at with the Super Bowl. Otherwise, I don't really care. Um, I would be happy for Stafford uh, in a small way as far as, um, and I guess all those guys. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a cool thing, and it's, it's a team that does not win a lot, obviously. So as long as it's not the, the Bucks, the Chiefs, um, e- even the Rams, I would be okay. The, the other benefit to the Rams winning is I, I can see the Bengals going on to be the next Chiefs. It's not a guarantee. They've, they've got some work to do, but if Joe Burrow, Burrow can stay where he's at and they can continue to build up that team, I mean, they, they could easily go on to be a powerhouse for a very long time. The Rams, again, I mean, they, they've kind of got a rental quarterback. They've got a lot of rentals. Von Miller's a rental. OBJ's a rental. A lot of the guys on their team to get them where they are are rentals. And so there's not really a strategy for long-term success other than tear it down and go all in again. But every time you do that, you're building up dead money, which lessens your cap, which is your cap is your only real resource for acquiring these players. So your ability to acquire goes down because of all the dead cap pushing down your cap on top of the fact that you keep giving away your draft picks, which is the other way in which you acquire talent. So if you want to go out and get somebody, you want to use a first round pick, but they don't have any. So how are you going to do that? So your ability to tear it down and do it again is minimized. So it's kind of a tear it down, let things refresh for a year or two so we can, you know, get picks back and we can get our cap back in order. And then we can, then we can do it again. So you might need like a breather year in between. Tear it down, go through one year of no picks and no cap, refresh, back into it. But again, you're, you're, you're playing a game where it's like, let's see if we can pick through, like find a free agent quarterback and a free... I mean, it's just, I don't know. If, if you're into it, cool. I, I, I think it's kind of silly. 
Anyways, I suppose we can talk a little bit more about the Super Bowl tomorrow. I, I don't want to, but we're going to have to. So that's what we'll do tomorrow. Um, there was some more news for the Green Bay Packers. I think uh, another question on top of you know the vacancy at the quarterback coach position was assistant special teams. Um, the Packers already have an assistant special teams guy, but you have to assume that uh, in the process of hiring Rich Bisaccia, he holds a lot of cards. And so for the Packers to be able to say, hey, uh, here's your assistant, by the way, I doubt that. And so sure enough, although there hasn't been any word on what's going to happen with our previous special teams assistant, we got a uh, report here from Field Yates. The Packers are hiring Byron Storer as their assistant special teams coach. He worked on the same role for the past four years in Las Vegas and reunites with Rich Bisaccia in Green Bay. Storer was also college teammates with Aaron Rodgers at Cal. So kind of an interesting little little thing there. But um, kind of kind of something that I should have seen coming. I didn't really mention it because I didn't think about it, but that just makes complete sense. Bisaccia calls all the shots, and I'm sure that was part of the negotiating process for getting him in here. Um, I'm still expecting to see his uh, title be something more than special teams coordinator, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. Actually, they, he is on the site right now, and it just says special teams coordinator. I don't know if they're planning on changing that, or maybe that's just, maybe that's just it, man. I don't know. But uh, they also still have Raina Stewart as the assistant special teams coach. That obviously is going to be changing. Again, I don't know if he's going to maybe get promoted somewhere or if they're just going to let him go. I don't know. In other relatively minor news, the Pittsburgh Steelers are interviewing Green Bay Packers co-director of player personnel, John Wojciechowski, I guess. It's, it's, it, assuming that's how you say it, that's actually surprisingly intuitive. When I saw all the letters, I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm not even going to try this. And then it's take a second look at it. It's like, wait a minute. It's just Wojciechowski, isn't it? Anyways, John Wojciechowski for the GM job per league source. Wojciechowski was a Steelers personnel assistant in the late 90s before working his way up the scouting and executive ranks. So there was a lot of concern and angst about none of the Green Bay Packers personnel being um, considered for the GM position. Uh, I think that's to the surprise of a lot of people. Some people hate our personnel staff and so they're they're taking a victory lap saying see they suck no okay i guess i mean if if you can somehow reconcile the success they've had in the draft and free agency and um and how they suck then that's that's fine you're smarter than i am i guess and then finally in the news um the international nature of the nfl is is growing pretty rapidly um look there there's there is a constant pull by the NFL to make more money, obviously, like like any company. And there's some really low-hanging fruit, but there's always going to be some level of pushback. For example, I've been on record saying, I, the more games, the better. Make it 20-game season. I couldn't care less. However, the players tend to be put at more risk the more games you play. Now, I have heard um, some pushback to that. I don't remember where it was, but some players were asked about it, and they're like, dude, I don't care. It's one more game. We usually have to play in the either preseason or postseason or whatever anyway, so an extra game's not that big of a deal. But, you know, at, at some point, and, and based on what some players think, um, I don't want, you know, more <laughs> more games. Now, younger players maybe would, because I think if there's more games, there's more revenue, and if there's more revenue, there's going to be a larger bump to the salary cap, which means a bigger pay out for you. But a guy like Aaron Rodgers, by the time that pay bump comes, he's not going to get it, you know what I mean? So if you just got drafted and you're young and you're hungry, you want, you know, because you've got at least one big contract coming, probably. I mean, who knows? Maybe you're going to suck and be out of the league in a couple of years. But assuming that's not your plan, 
either. I mean, even if it's even if you don't know, you're you're hoping for as much money as possible, and and you know to be able to stay. My goal would be, yeah, dude, bring bring as much money as possible. But the point is, there's there's always kind of negatives to it. But the NFL is always going to side on just where's the money at. And so they went to 17 games. The expectations that will fairly soon become 18 games. And then after that, they can't really expand to 19. But what they can do is expand how many teams there are. And I think once you expand the teams, then maybe you could explore more games. I don't exactly know what the next step is after that. But you got 17 games, and then soon there will be 18 games. And then after that, there's going to be expansion teams because all we care about is more money. And this is, by the way, I think the reason why Roger Goodell is so loved by the owners. I don't think Roger Goodell does a good job of running the NFL at all. I don't think anybody, as far as fans, look at Roger Goodell and say he does a really good job of running the NFL. Maybe he does a fine job. Maybe he's a little more hated than he should be. I don't know. I don't particularly like the way that the NFL handles things. Really, I don't like the way they handle just about anything. But I think the owners decide who is going to run the NFL, and the owners want a guy that's going to make sure that he puts as much money in their pocket as possible, and that's the one thing Roger Goodell does very well. He makes sure that the money keeps flowing. And I think he does a good job of that. And so there's there's this little understanding within the NFL that as long as you can keep the money coming, we're going to keep giving it to you. And he knows he's not going to lose his job as long as he's putting money in the owner's pocket. So it's just it's just a loop, you know. And so um, even if he's not putting out the best possible product in the NFL, if I can just, you know, uh, get the gambling thing going, big revenue boost. You know, if, if we can move uh, teams to bigger and better stadiums and, and larger markets, boom, there you go, right? We, we moved the team out of St. Louis to L.A., more money, bang. 17th game, more money. 18th game, more money. On top of that, though, one other thing that they're really pushing is going overseas. Now, I'm not a big fan of this. Um, I mean, it, it, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. One of my dreams, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the Packers don't play overseas this year because I don't think I'm really at a point financially where I'm going to make that work. I mean, I, I, I could, but it's, it's one of those things where it's going to be a lot of money and I'm not going to be bringing my family. You know, when you cross a certain threshold of amount of money as well as how much fun it's going to be, you kind of feel guilty being like, hey, would you mind if I take this much money just for me and you guys stay here and do nothing? Would that be something you'd be interested in or what? It's just, it's, it's, not, a, it's not an easy sell. But I absolutely would love to go to London or, or wherever to see the Packers play somewhere else, which sounds strange coming from somebody who doesn't even like going to Lambeau to watch the Packers play, but it's kind of the idea of being able to go to another country also. But even with that, it just doesn't make logistical sense to me. I mean, maybe as just a visiting thing, but they're, they're obviously pushing for some of these expansion teams to be, they want a London team, which makes sense. There's, it, it is an unbelievably massive market. And not only is there a, a massive market locally, in other words, we're going to make money because there's a lot of people in London who will root for the London team and buy a London... It's, it's, it's about the broader vision of bringing Europeans into the NFL, which, by the way, as a pod, I should absolutely love that. I should just shut my mouth and be like, yes, do it. I mean, there's, there's what, 300 and some odd million people in the United States. There's over 7 million people in Europe. I mean, collectively. And even if you assume that some, some of that is like Eastern Europe who might not get into it, I don't really know. Still, if you're talking Western Europe, we're still talking, you know, 200 million people. Did I say 7 million when I meant 700? 300, 700, 200 are the numbers that I meant to say. Right, but, but, but that's the thing. I mean, you, you, you've kind of, you've tapped out the United States, but you can double your audience if you can grow over the next however many years the interest over in Europe. And the, the same with any other area. I mean, they, they've been making uh, overtures down in Mexico City, which is another massive, massive city. I mean, the population in Mexico City, according to the Googles, is about 8.8 .8 million uh, people, which is 
gigantic, right? New York City is 8.4. LA is under 4 million. This is more than double of Los Angeles. And by the way, that's just Mexico City. The area around Mexico City, we're talking about 12 to 13 million people. And that's assuming just all of Mexico doesn't, you know, I mean, you're not just appealing to Mexico, which has uh, about 129 million people. So just, I mean, think about that. If you're Roger Goodell and you're trying to make some money and you're, we're talking about, well, maybe we'll put in a third team in Texas or, you know, we can compete for those handful of millions of people over there that are, you know, don't have allegiances, or we can plop a team in Mexico and see how many of the 129 million unclaimed people will jump on board of this team. That could easily be the biggest market of any, I mean, who's going to be bigger? I mean, you only need a fraction of a percentage of Mexico to be like, yep, that's my team, to be by far the biggest fan base. Because it's not a state, it's, a t- it's an entire freaking country <laughs> that is backing this team. Mexico City Warriors or something, dude. I mean, I could come up with something more culturally appropriate, but that'll probably be considered racist for some reason. You know, the Aztecs would be cool, but that's, I don't know, probably inappropriate. I have no idea. I don't know what the rules are, but point is, I understand why there's such a... Because when you look at it from, from, a, st- from a logistical standpoint, like, that, that's stupid. You're going to have people, like, fly... I mean, Mexico actually wouldn't be that bad. I mean, think about it. For the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, you, you got teams that go from, you know, Massachusetts all the way to Los Angeles. I mean, that sucks. There's a lot of teams that would rather go to Mexico City than some of these other places, pretty much anybody on the West Coast, the three California teams, Seattle, Denver, the two Texas teams, New Orleans. I mean, it's, it's any of the three Florida teams, it's not that bad. But Europe is, is kind of a different... I don't know why we don't start with Mexico or, or well, maybe Canada. Canada's not that big. Do you know there's only 38 million people in Canada? I mean, there's probably more football fans, I mean, per capita in Canada. But I mean, that's, that's, just, like a, that's just like a state. The entire country of Canada is, is like a really big state. There's literally, literally less people in Canada than there are in California, just saying. But big enough that you could put a team there. I mean, you got three teams in California with 39 million people. You could put two, three teams in Canada. But, you know, put one in there. It's going to be a big team, man. You could have one in Canada, one in Mexico. I just don't know logistically how you make Europe work. There has to be some kind of a, of a thing where you work around bye weeks. You know what I mean? The... the, the there's no way in the world the Rams are going to the UK. I, that's not even, it's, it's, it says it's an 11-hour flight. I mean, that's a long flight, but eh. You ever hear the stories about wrestlers and the lives that they would live and how, how, I mean, they would just spend hours and hours and hours on the road, and it would be nonstop. I'm not talking about, like, you go there, it's one 11-hour flight, then you play one game, and then you fly back, and then you chill for the rest of the week. I'm talking about, like, you drive for 10 hours, and then you do a match, and then you sleep somewhere and then you drive for 10 more. I mean, it's just every day you're doing that. I think that's survivable. I thought that would be worse for some reason. 12 hours and 10 minutes to Munich. Anyway, but but okay, so you got to work a bye week into it. The point is, you can understand why there's such a hard push for this. Mexico, I think, makes perfect sense. Even if out of that entire country, you got 8 million fans. That's a lot of people, man. I'm talking 8 million people willing to buy tickets, buy jerseys, watch the games. Plus, you're not even messing with time zones. I mean, they're, they're in American time zones, obviously. Same with Canada. You plop a team somewhere in Ontario, the Lions just take a bus there, dude. Packers will just take a little puddle jumper. I mean, you, you got the Bears, you got the Colts, you got the Ohio and Pennsylvania, New York teams all right in there. That are, I mean, it's, just, it's like walking distance. 
I don't know. Not, now, now that I'm exploring this, I feel like um, Roger Goodell is doing a garbage job. He should be expanding way bigger than this. <laughs> I'd be looking at Brazil. Dude, I mean, quit your crying. I'm going to put some extra money in your, in your account. We're going to work the bye weeks around the travel, and you're going to fly to Brazil, and you're just going to shut up, and you're going to do it. And we're all going to make three times the amount of money we're making now. I'm trying to make Roger Goodell sound like a bad guy, and it turns out I'm a bigger villain than he is. I don't know, man. I'm getting into it. I'm going to have the boys with Packers Without Borders like help me get acclimated to this thing. You know what I mean? They got a Canadian guy and at least a guy that speaks Spanish. Just be like, hey, man, help me out. Talk to Dara about, you know, telling the people over there I'm cool. I don't know. I don't know if that's a necessary thing or not, but just be like, hey, man, just talk to him. Like, why would I? Th- I'm Irish. What does that have to do with it? Just, just do it, dude. I just want to pretend I have people for a minute. Just talk to the British and be like, hey, man, this guy's cool. And then, you know, try to translate for me, even though it's same language, but... Might be tricky to understand some, certain things. Cultural references, maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm all in, man. Let's do this thing. That was not my intention when I started this. I was going to say that this is a thing that we're doing, and it's a bad... I really was just going to talk... I wasn't even going to say it was a bad thing. I was just mentioning um, Munich is a thing. I don't, even, I don't even know if I got to the news. Munich is apparently a thing. They're going to go to Munich. Uh, we don't know any of the teams yet, but that is going to be a thing. First time ever. Um, on top of that, there's going to be another game in Mexico, which, again, all for it. And three games in the UK. So very obviously, the UK is like the number one destination. Probably has a lot to do with the fact, number one, that it's Europe, which so we're getting a foothold there. Um, Number two is the size, right? It's a very large country. We're talking like 56 million people. It's a tiny island, but there's people everywhere. And that's, that's just... England. I'm not, I don't, I don't know if like Wales, Ireland, and Scotland get involved in that. I don't know if there's like a European contingent that's like, yeah, let's do this because it's the European team. Whatever, man. Again, I'm all for it. That pulls in even more. Population of the UK as a whole is 67 million. So um, large population. It's in Europe and probably because there's already a a semi-large contingent of NFL fans. So again, I, I think there's probably more Canadian NFL fans if I had to guess but it doesn't do much for us. It maybe pulls in a few more Canadian fans, but there's already a competing Canadian league, which, you know, again, I don't know that they care, but it's just something. And it doesn't really give us a foothold to anything else. It's a dead end. It's Canada. Where do you go from Canada? The North Pole? We're going to try to recruit Santa Claus? Where are we going? So I get it. And I do think the next stop should be Mexico. I mean, I just, I do. There is a, there is a language thing there, which causes issues, potentially. You know, I mean, how many of them are going to tune into our current service. I mean, even my podcast, how many people are going to tune into, I mean, there's going to be new Packers podcasts that are going to be in Spanish largely. According to Google, about 10% of the population speaks English. So it's not that that is a potential issue. Surprisingly low considering where they and their proximity to us. Germany, I guess, is close to 60% speak English. It's another reason why Europe makes sense because we can expand into Germany, into France, into, uh, you know, other places that aren't primarily English speakers, but they still, you know, they still understand it. They'll stu- still turn into tune into ESPN and all the things that make us money. Anyways, I didn't mean for this to be a strategic session for all of us, but uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see if uh, the Packers end up being a part of that. I know they've said that they're not going to do that. However, they what they've said is they're not going to give up a home game for that. And with the seventeenth game and whatnot, there's maybe some wiggle room in that uh, conversation. For example, would the Packers be willing to give up an extra game? if the extra game is actually an extra game. I mean, either way, they'll, they'll probably be willing to do an away game. So, I mean, if it's like Packers, Vikings during the Vikings home game in Munich, um, sure. 
But even this year, we have an extra home game. Would they be willing? Because it's still the same eight home games as always. So you're not losing revenue because obviously the Packers depend heavily on that. The the city of Green Bay depends heavily on that. Now, again, I doubt they're going to want to give it up because it's still revenue. But the question is, would they be willing to because it's extra revenue to give it up? I doubt it. But anyways, there's, there's speculation that the Packers may actually potentially be involved this year, especially now that there's, what did I say? There's three, four, five, five international games this year. Three in London, one in Germany, one in Mexico. I don't know, man. Get a flight from O'Hare to Mexico City, 180 bucks. Viva Aerobus. You know what I'm talking about? Heathrow, 447. Unix, 525. That's doable, man. That's doable. Does include hotel and, and price of a ticket, though. Anyways, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Why don't we go ahead? We'll take a little break. Please don't forget about Drew and his seizure service dog. If you'd like to donate to Drew's cause, you can check out uh, the pinned tweet on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It's my pinned tweet. Also, please do not forget about your very important meat needs. Um, maybe a little bit too late to get it for the Super Bowl, so I hope that you got it. If not, you're still going to need meat because it's, it's just a very important thing. So head over to amodernfrontier.com. You can order up um, a one-eighth grass-fed beef box, butcher's dozen ground beef, one-quarter pastured pork box, and I think there might be other options. But again, head over to the website, amodernfrontier.com, chat with Adam, let him know what you're looking for, see what he can do for you. Don't forget promo code uh, MEATPACKER, all caps, one word, for $25 off your order. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so before we close this thing out, there's two things I want to go over. Number one, we're going to do mock draft of the day. We're going to once again do CBS today. Uh, This is a mock from, it is yesterday, but this is Tom Fornelli. So it's a different CBS individual. And he has, with the 28th pick, a guy that is not super common, which I love because I want to cover as many prospects as possible. With the 28th pick select, Arnold Abakadi, edge rusher, Penn State. I'm not positive that's how you say his name, but I'm pretty sure it is. Now, first of all, starting with the logic of edge rusher. He doesn't really say anything in his, in his draft about why he made the pick, but let me just read that. Abakadi transferred to Penn State from Temple, and upon seeing him for the first time, I wondered how he ended up at Temple in the first place. He's got good size, the ideal length, and he never takes a snap off. It's full send every time. That said, he needs some refining in his repertoire, but he has the potential to be a perennial all-pro. So here's the thought process. And again, we, we can look at it and say, you know, you can technically justify it based on this, that, or the other thing, but I think we have bigger needs. You got to get that out of your head. The Packers are not going to simply draft the biggest need. That's not going to happen. I mean, it may happen. But that's not the way they're thinking about it. And, and I get so tired of, of not just Packer fans, but the draft community in general, who, um, as Goose knows, is probably the most toxic place on earth. I've never seen anything in my life that is more toxic, quote unquote, than the NFL draft community. You, you try to do anything NFL draft related, whether it's YouTube. I, I said it was bad on YouTube. Now, Goose is just getting beat up every time he posts a mock in my group, um, which, by the way, I have an NFL mock draft group. It's got 6,700 people in it, I think. I think it might be the biggest uh, NFL draft group. I tried to find a a bigger one. I was surprised to see there weren't very many. But if you're interested in that, go for it. But he gets beat up every single time by people that just, well, there's no way. or There's so many definitive statements. And one of the things that always happens is if you do a mock like this, even if I justify it, even if I say, for example, let's say Rashawn and Preston are here, but Merciless and Zedarius leave. Most people are going to say, we got two, that's enough, we don't need another one. Despite the fact that edge rusher is, you know, you could use always use another one. And you could even say, look, Preston's not going to be here for very much longer. He's got a year, maybe two, that he's going to be here. So then you're going to need somebody else. And Arnold, who is a guy who's extremely talented, as he laid out here, but needs some refining, that makes sense because he's going to be your edge three, and then Preston leaves maybe next year, and then it's going to be Arnold, and you've got um, Rashawn, and, and you've just got this dynamic duo that never ends. And that's that's obviously very important, but you're still going to have people saying, look, offensive line is more important. Guard, tackle, wide receiver, tight end, you know, linebacker, depending on if we keep Devondre, safety, depending on if we keep Amos, all of these, a defensive tackle, all of these are um, arguably larger needs than edge rusher, assuming we keep at least two. Even if you assume it's a need, it's, it's not as big of a need. But again, it's worth exploring it, even if we keep two or possibly even three, because the Packers are not looking at... There, there might be certain things they're not going to do, right? I don't think even if quarterback is top of their board, I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're as purist as we kind of make them out to be. You know, they're always going to take the top available guy. Uh, I don't think if running back is top of their board, they're going to take a running back. But I do think that they are still largely very purist in the fact that they will take best player available. And if that is an edge rusher, especially given the premium position, we know they love taking premium position guys. They'll happily take an edge rusher or a uh, quarterback. I mean, not always quarterback, but you know, if there's maybe a slight potential need and there's a quarterback top of the board, they love taking quarterbacks first round, edge rushers first round, tackles first round. 
And that's why they also tend to be less interested in things like linebackers and tight ends and things because they don't just don't see that as as premium of a need. You know, cornerback is a big need. Safety even is a relatively big need. So um, no, I don't think edge rusher is probably our biggest need, but I also think it's silly for us to get too hung up on it's not our biggest need. It's not even our biggest two or three needs. So therefore the Packers will not or should not do it. Oh, well, doesn't matter. It is a premium position that may be a need within the next two years. And if this guy's top of the board, they're taking him. And that's just the bottom line. Whether you think that's rational, stupid, whatever you think, it doesn't matter. That's what's going to happen. And I'm just telling you that. I'm not asking. By the way, if you're curious about looking this guy up, but you have no idea how to spell Ibikade, uh, it's E-Bike-Tie. E-B-I-K-E-T-I-E. E-Bike-Tie. Like E-Bike, you know, like they got all over Madison, these electric bikes. And then tie because, you know, you're wearing a tie to a job interview on your E-Bike. Makes sense, man. Anyways, looking real quick at uh, PFF, he is six foot three, two fifty six, so he would be somewhat on the smaller end of the spectrum. But I think the the best thing about him, he's got four years, three of them at Temple, one at Penn State, as he alluded to. Um, he's gotten better every year. But the biggest thing about it isn't just the fact that he's gotten better every year, which to me is a big thing. Um, but it's the fact that he went from Temple to Penn State. So Temple, he goes from sixty four to seventy eight ish to eighty five. So he's jumping up. Then he goes to Penn State, and it's like, all right, now we got to see what happens if he drops to a sixty fifty whatever. Even drops to a 70, it's kind of like, yeah, all right, we're getting a better gauge of what this guy's really about. He went up to an 88, his best year ever, after moving to Penn State. So he's growing as a pass rusher, regardless of the school he goes to. He has the tools to be a great pass rusher, period. Um, the other great thing about him is, uh, no, and I say this about offensive tackles too, I want a guy that's a good run blocker, but that's always, no matter how bad I want that, that's always secondary to pass blocking. So ideally, a tackle is going to be a guy with like a 95 pass blocking grade and maybe like an 88 run blocking if you have to divvy the two up. That's kind of what you got here with Ibikedi. He's primarily a pass rusher. His pass rush grades went 63, 78, 88, and then 90. His run de- run defense grades, though, aren't bad. They're just lesser than his, than his pass rush. 62, 70, 78, and then 78 again, which is good. And, and in fact, even if you look on a, a week-to-week basis, because if you look at a 78, that could be like a couple 90s and a bunch of 50s. Um, He's very consistent. His highest was only a 78. His lowest was a 58. He only had one game below a 60. So he's consistently good as a run defender, which is all I really want in, in a edge rusher. Just don't be bad at it. So I'm, I'm fine with that. And pass rush, similarly, uh, only one game down in the 50s. His next lowest was a 68, but he's got um, several really high games. And statistically, this is where things get super exciting. Um, in, uh, let's see, if you go back to his statistics, going back to Temple, and yes, he has had more opportunities, that plays a big part in it, but four pressures in his first year um, out of 26 attempts, so even that's not bad, obviously, but still. Then he goes to six pressures on 56 attempts, so slightly better than 10%, but we're dealing with such small numbers, it doesn't really mean much. And two sacks, by the way. 2020 at Temple, 22 pressures, 142 attempts, four sacks. So he's sitting at 15.5%. So again, he's already a stud and four sacks on the season. And then at Penn State, 52 pressures on 374 attempts, which is 14% and eight sacks. So that's solid to me. And, and, and I think one of the best things about him is that there's nothing really bad. You know, his floor seems high to me. He, 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 I don't know exactly how high his ceiling is, and I don't know what issues he has to work through and uh, what he's talking about in terms of 
you know, he's got to refine some things. But again, the Packers would be a great environment for that because Rashawn is, is a work hard guy. Mike Smith is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best pass rushing coaches in the NFL. You got Preston that potentially is going to be there or Whitney or somebody will probably still be there. Maybe. I don't know. But it's a great unit to be to be a part of, especially when you just need to learn. I mean, that's what Rashawn Gary had the luxury of for for two years of basically just learning before completely breaking out. And I don't even and when I say completely, I mean, almost not quite yet. So um, it's worth checking out. Every time I do this, I like to head over to YouTube and just real quick watch some highlights. Uh, again, that's not the best way to scout, but on limited time when I need to get this podcast out, I just want to I just want to watch a little bit, just get a little bit of a taste, just get an idea of when they do things well, what does that look like? So the one thing I'll, I'll say about him that I do like just from, again, the little bit that, I, that I've seen is, is the motor part that he was talking about and that he just, he just doesn't stop. You know, a lot of guys, they try their move and it doesn't work and they're trying to like figure out what to do next. His, he, he just almost acts as though, you remember those old school games, um, the football ones that like the table vibrates and you just put the little pieces on there and they just start moving around. It was a football game. And the point is, those things just move. They don't, they don't really, they're inanimate objects. They don't know that there's actually something there. That's kind of what he reminds me of. Like he's just running and he doesn't even know that there's somebody in his way. His, his, he just, he, it's like mentally he doesn't even see them. His legs just keep pushing, just keep pushing no matter what. There's not like that thing that clicks in your brain that's like, oh shoot. You know what I mean? You, you can almost see pass rushers do that sometimes. They're like, ah, dang it. And then it's like, uh, 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 gotta get, uh, uh, go this way. And Rashawn is kind of that way. Where he, I mean, he he just pushes straight through people anyway, so maybe that's just part of his technique. But Rashawn doesn't slow down. He just goes, and he just keeps going, and he doesn't get discouraged. And sometimes you see that with pass rushers, and it really upsets me because it's like if you didn't give up, because you don't know. Sometimes the quarterback, he's about to throw it, and then he pulls it down, and then he starts scrambling. It's like if you didn't give up like three seconds ago, you'd have had a sack by now. But you're over here like, oh, shoot, you know, I didn't get there. Don't stop. And I've, I've just in his highlights, I've even seen one, this is against Wisconsin, where or it might have even been the one before, I don't know, but it's because he didn't quit. You know, he, he didn't get the greatest angle in the world, but he just kept his legs churning, worked his way around the outside, and as the quarterback tried to break the pocket, he just smacked right into him because he just was like, no, whatever, this is this is the angle I'm taking, I'm just going to keep riding it. It's going to sound more inf- uh, offensive than it's intended, but sometimes being really, really stupid makes you a good football player. And I don't, I don't mean to challenge his intelligence, but you know what I mean, where it's like, don't overthink stuff sometimes. Don't get hung up in, like, this is how it's supposed to go and it didn't go that way, oh, shoot. He's just too stupid, dude. He doesn't even know he lost. He just keeps churning. And he, he's getting pressures and sacks as a result of it. So I like that. I like a good stupid football player, man. Just a brute, man. So it's Rashawn Gary. And again, I'm, I'm not actually talking about their intelligence. I have no idea. It's probably a, I mean, Penn State, he's probably a super smart guy. You get what I'm saying, though. Arnold Ebicady. I'll tell you what, man, for the second day in a row, I think I'm just going to kick this thing down the road. <laughs> I've got a special teams thing that I want to address um, I'm just not interested right now. I think this is a good spot to stop. It's 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 kind of a thing where it's a big nerdy deep divey thing, and we're at 45 minutes. I don't really want to do a big nerdy deep divey thing right now. We might have to start at the top with this next time. Probably not tomorrow either because it's the Super Bowl. Maybe Monday. Anyways, we will just end it there. I guess uh, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow for La Super Bowl. Just trying to get in on that Europe thing. If somebody could tell me what country that is in Europe, that'd be great. So I can. I can uh, let people know. Otherwise, have a great day.